Grom. As I watched my friends Josh and Luke climb up into the chicken hut, I realized they were making a terrible mistake. And I turned around to try and change our minds. But suddenly, I was caught in a beam of light. And I could smell something burning. And I could smell something cooking. And then I heard... Welcome back, everybody, to the Savage Chromcast, celebrating Chromtober here in October 2019. I am one of your hosts, Jonathan. I am Luke. And I'm Josh. And tonight we're going to be discussing my greatest fear. We're in a cold, sterile environment covered in stainless steel-like looking material, and there are gray beings watching us from behind a pane of glass because my greatest fear is being abducted by aliens, or at least my childhood fear. Have they stripped us? Uh, yeah, we're naked. And we're tied up or no? Nah, we're kind of hanging out right now. Okay. Yeah. And they're just like waiting. Jelly goo, like strapping us down to tables. No, no jelly style. goo. We're in, a, it's, we're in a room and we can see them watching us, but they want us to see them watching us. Oh. We're like waiting our turn. It's like the DMV, except in outer space. <laughs> <laughs> so we're back in the, the backyard near the fire <laughs> or at least the fire we're allowed to have right now in lexington right but that's just a hologram it's like the holodeck <laughs> maybe i kind of wonder is the witch in cahoots with the the aliens you think or is this all magic uh this is your story it's, so it's whatever you story. want yeah i'll have that i'll have that figured out by the end of the show yeah uh so we're doing fear for Cromptober this year we thought it was a cool unifying theme last episode we talked about luke's fear of infinity and him not being a part of infinity is that fair to say yeah i want to be a part of it yeah you want to go on forever a part of it right not all of it Mm -hmm. you don't want to be omnipresent i want to be separated from that so mine is a little different than that i had a very distinct fear growing up when i was a kid that uh aliens were going to come get me and that's what we're going to be talking about here tonight but we got some stuff to do at first yeah uh we're going to start with what we've been drinking right yeah, yeah. What did Josh make for us? Uh, Josh had one more 12-ounce bottle of mead that he made last year. Uh, so this was one-year-old mead, uh, Josh's ancient orange, following, <laughs> following Joe's ancient orange mead recipe. Uh-huh. And it was pretty delightful. Nice and crisp, little clove, kind of a spicy autumnal warmer, yeah. I guess. It had the boobles. Yeah. It did have boobles. Yeah. And by that, I mean bubbles. Yes. (laughs) Uh, And then inadvertently, uh, I brought two Sam Adams Oktoberfests because that's what I had in my fridge. Uh And John? I brought four in a little bucket, ice bucket thing. So together. Very classy. Together, we brought a six pack. Brought a six pack. Nice, nice. If we need it, I've got some, uh, some, some Viking cherry mead that's substantially younger than Josh's one year uh, ancient orange mead. This is this is youthful cherry mead <laughs> that we can get into if we need to. Sounds awesome. And with that, let's do our one things. One thing. Beep it a bow. Yeah. Uh, he's gonna lead it. Uh, it's clockwise from the person hosting. Could be. So is it going to me then? Yes. I mean, are we upside down in the spaceship so that everything is like ass backwards? Or nope, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way a clock goes. You're right. <laughs> or time's going backwards. Or yeah, right no. being abducted. Mm-mm, no time. Our hands are running backwards. Time is yours. <laughs> Aliens are mine. Uh, my one thing is another short novel. Uh, last time around, I talked about a Shirley Jackson novel that was pretty short. Man, I have a hard time with her name. Shirley Jackson. I don't know why it just Russian is what what I want to come out of my mouth. But, uh, her, her nickname was Action. Action, Action Jackson. 
<laughs> so last time I talked about a short novel. This time I'll talk about another short novel because since our last recording, I knocked out uh, Clive Barker's The Hellbound Heart, uh, which I picked up uh, some time ago, and I uh, mowed through it across two nights. It is a super, super short, breezy read. It is beautifully written. I mean, uh, I said this with... Uh, we've always lived in the castle. I'm going to say it again here. I don't really mean to be hyperbolic, but this is like a an amazingly well-written uh, novel or novella. Uh, so this is the story that Hellraiser is based on, and it if you've watched the classic Hellraiser movie, you're seeing a lot of the same narrative in that that is represented in the book. There's not a huge difference in terms of the content between the two, but man, the book is... Is poetic. I really like. I, the more I read of Clive Barker, the more I, I just respect his, his chops as an actual like literary person. He has uh, a way with his writing that is visceral, that is is very emotive. And this novel, one of the things that I really liked about it is how it, how it, uh applies like some of the poetic nature of like time and passing of the seasons to the way that the story of uh, the hellbound heart un- unravels and plays out. So I'll just leave it at that. It's really good if you're looking for a short uh, a short horror story to get into, jump into it. I think it's a great a great introduction to Clive Barker's stuff. Cool. Yeah, I've I've never read The Hellbound Heart. I have seen Hellraiser. Um, so I don't. I wonder how much. How, did you feel like there was a, a vast difference between the novel? No, I and think the, they're they're very close. Like yeah. there's uh, narrative beats are similar, characters are similar, uh, content is similar. There are differences, uh, but it is more similar than different. I just think that the the novel is just just a more timeless thing like Hellraiser mm-hmm. the movie is very much an 80s kind of presentation yeah. and the Hellbound Heart is almost timeless you don't know this, the name of the city where things are playing out in the Hellbound Heart uh, you don't really necessarily get a time a time stamp on things uh, it just and I think that's in, I mean that's intentional on the levels that, that Barker's writing it yeah, yeah. it's good stuff cool I saw Hellraiser 3 before I saw the first Hellraiser uh-huh. and came into it expecting a slasher movie mm-hmm. and it is anything but, right? Like it's it's a weird uh, sexy um, I don't know how to even describe it. it it strikes me as similar to a vampire movie mm-hmm. like there's elements of that but uh, yeah, I don't know yeah, yeah it's a it's a, it's a, it's a weird one but Clive Barker writes some weird stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, did you pick up any more Clark Ashton Smith vibes from it? I, I'm uh, I'm still going back to that notion that they are of a type. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess so. Like, I think that's something that we ought to talk about more. Like, the more I read of Clive Barker's stuff, like he does dabble in the like mythos centric writing Barker does that is mm-hmm. uh, but it like this book is it's hard to pin down at least from what I've read of Barker to this point like a broader overarching kind of mythology so I think he's I don't know that's that's something that we that we can talk about there's definitely a style a stylistic comparison but the structure or the content of their stories. I think I would need to read more of both of the authors to really evaluate it. Mm-hmm. But it's it's that's a, that's a, that's something that we need to definitely get into. Dig man. into. Yeah. All right. So what about you? Uh, me. I have been listening to uh, a podcast that that you and I are fans of. John, I don't know if you've ever checked it out. Uh, Hypnogoria. Oh. Which is produced by an English gentleman named Mr. Jim Moon. And he delves into stories of the weird, uh, horror stuff, folklore. You'd like his folklore episodes a lot. Okay. Um, 
I actually go back and listen to his Halloween and Christmas episodes every year. Yeah. About this time, uh, stardom, uh, because I mean, it's hours of content. Cool. Um, and just really cool little nuggets of folklore from, uh, uh, various cultures pertaining to Halloween and, and Christmas and the holiday season. Good, good stuff. Um, but his most recent efforts have been uh, directed toward sort of this ex- exploration of Pennywise, the clown from right. Stephen King's It. Okay. And so it was a uh, sort of a comparison of Pennywise from the page to Pennywise from the screen. And uh, I listened to, to both episodes, even though I haven't seen the the uh, newest um, It movie, Chapter Two or mm-hmm. whatever whatever it's called. Um, I guess I'm I'm not really afraid of spoilers because I I know the general way that the story is going to play out because I've read the novel. Um, and those two episodes are are great. Uh, he he does a really good job, just sort of digging into who Pennywise is and what kind of monster he is and what kind of story it is and um, it's, it's very very good so uh, I'll include links to uh, Hypnogoria to those two episodes specifically in, in the show notes um, and John I know you said you've not read much if any Stephen King I don't know if I've read any Stephen King Yeah. are you familiar with the story of, of it there's a clown Yes. and everybody floats they do float Yeah. Yes. and there's a balloon there are balloons. Yes. Um, but it's more than just a scary clown. Right. Yeah. It's He's it's, like a extra dimensional entity, correct? Sort of, yeah, in a very Lovecraftian sense. Okay. Um, and so the story is about abuse and the, the scars of abuse and dealing with it even when you forget it and it comes back years later. Okay. It's about childhood and adulthood and transitioning into adulthood. Um, it's it's got a lot of um, really relatable emotional beats okay. that uh, I think make the story pretty easily accessible to to most people. Like it's it's a horror story, but it's more than that. Um, and I know Luke, you you and I have spent some time just sort of chewing the fat about it and Pennywise and the story of uh, in that novel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think that it is uh, King's, I would say, finest novel, and that's a bit contentious. I think uh, with some circles, I think other people would agree with with that statement. But I think it is his his richest like literary work that he's put together, and it's I think it's beautiful. I, I love it. It's it's one of my favorite books of all time. Yeah, yeah, it's great. So, dive so, in, dive into Hypnogoria. Okay, listen to those episodes about Pennywise, and and then uh, revisit uh, it, the novel, and uh, go see it, Chapter Two, I guess. Nice. Does that leave me? That leaves you. So, mine is a book that I've been reading for the spooky season. It's a Kentucky-focused book called Kentucky Hauntings: Homespun Ghost Stories and Unexplained History. It's by Roberta and Lonnie Brown, and it's just a bunch of Kentucky folklore that's got kind of a ghosty angle to it. Different hauntings from the headlines, different hauntings from history, or sort of like front porch stories that they've heard from people as they've gone around the state. They sound like they're story collectors, kind of, as part of their job. And so they have collected these stories all into this one book. It's not too long. It's only maybe like 120, 130 pages. I got it from the UK library, and it's just really engrossing. There are little introductions to each story about how they heard it. So there's a little story to tell the story. And then the just classic ghost stories that you might be familiar with as part of your local culture of, like, this happened, this happened, and now that ghost is there. Yeah. And if you do this, you can you can see it, maybe. Uh, and they're not interested in, in the... What you, how would you put it, maybe? Uh, like the exploitation of ghosts? Okay. If that's a fair way of putting it. Ghost exploitation? Yeah, ghost exploitation. They, they're not into, like, ghost hunter culture okay. or anything like that. It's the, not about you know, getting EMP readings and cold spots and all that. It's about, this is a story that people tell in this part of Kentucky, and this okay. is why they tell it. And why it's important for us to remember it. Like, what lesson may we glean 
from this being a piece of folk wisdom. Got it. And so I'm, I'm, I'm into that angle of ghost storytelling because they can be spooky. And there's a couple so far that I've read that that were kind of scary where somebody dies because of a ghost. But for the most part, most of them have been about helpful ghosts or familial ghosts, like providing some comfort. And so I just think it's it's a different angle on that kind of that kind of literature. I think there's a lot of ghost books out there now, but they're for all sure, about yeah. like this murder and right. how do, how can you hunt a ghost and get famous on TV or something. So if you want a more traditional approach to it, I think this book offers that. And if you're interested in Kentucky, I think you can get some of that flavor from it too. Yeah, I think we so we've talked about Roberta Simpson Brown maybe last Cromtober whenever okay. we were or maybe the the year that we were talking about like uh, ghosts of our of our homelands that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, she's she's one of the multi book authors. I know Josh has picked up a couple different books the, of hers. The four Seasons of Kentucky Ghosts. Right. I've got that yeah. one sitting yeah. on my nightstand. Yeah. yeah. So between her and then the other the other fellow that has written a lot of like the folklorist ghost books. What's his name? William uh, Linwood Montel. Yeah. Montel. I've got yeah. one of his yeah. too. So he's probably the most uh, academic and it seems like she's a step not away from that but tells things in a more casual fashion yeah this is a and lot more like what we do with Cromptober yeah yeah and then like there's further steps out to the to the more pop culture presentation of things as you right. say right so so is it stories that people have experienced or is it folk tale like go you know what yeah, I like I do see what you're saying the, the ghost stories like uh, uh, are you familiar with Taylor Poe I know of Taylor Poe. Okay. It's less of that and more like, okay, in Bullock County, they talk of a time where a young man was killed on the road during a storm, mm-hmm. and he was trying to go get his math book because his dad told him never to leave his math book at, at school, and that's why he got killed. And so now, every time it storms, the kids at school see this ghost at this one-room schoolhouse that tells them to go home or else they'll get killed. Uh, more like that. So it's it's not your your goat monster, your goat man, or <laughs> your Taylor Poe or your Spring Hill Jacks. Right. It's like these are very community oriented kind of ghost stories, okay. and I think that they heard them either while they were on the road promoting some of their other books, or some of the introductions that they write. It makes it sound like it was part of their family history. This story has been passed down from great grandma to grandma to one of them. So that's awesome. Yeah. With those three things combined, we have a very spooky, Cromptober spectacular one thing, and now we get to talk about one of my fears, right? (laughs) Delve into that. (laughs) So, set the stage. You are, uh, what, eight, nine? Yeah. And you're, you're thinking about this, or (laughs) did you, did you see like an unsolved mysteries? Did you hear somebody talking about? aliens and alien abductions or like how did this idea sort of spring into your mind where who planted the seed who planted the seed yeah cbs 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 oh okay i I was like the pharmacy (laughs) the pharmacy did it no uh i was watching tv i used to go to my grandparents house a lot and spend the night and my grandpa was an avid ice cream eater and avid like movie watcher slash miniseries watcher and one night we were i was at his house and he always had cherry cordial ice cream and we had we each had a little bowl of cherry cordial ice cream and he put this thing on and it was on cbs and i have i've looked for this for years and because of this cromtober i finally really like sat down and tried to figure out what it is that i watched and i'm almost positive that it's this movie from cbs it was a a miniseries they put out called Intruders. And so it's a 163 minutes TV series and the little synopsis they have for it on IMDb is all over the world people report they've been visited by aliens, taken aboard spaceships and medically examined. The authorities appear to know all about these visits but won't acknowledge them. And there's some pictures from it and they seem vaguely familiar. The part that I really remember watching this was whatever it is if it's this or not is people being in rooms and the room lighting up and then like them being floated away into something where they were examined by aliens 
and they all had this triangular scar that would appear on their thigh or their calf Mm -hmm. and i had a similar looking scar (laughs) at that age and so i became kind of convinced that that this had happened to me so i'm i'm five or six years old when i view this thing and it's too young probably to have seen what i saw and it just really freaked me out like just the idea of these aliens just the idea of being taken up into the sky and looked at by them it really really haunted me for a long long time yeah what is it about it that that bothers you is it the loss of agency and the loss of control (laughs) i think so i mean there there is something to be said for just like the stark terror of the idea that something from outer space has you Mm -hmm. and of medical experimentation and like all those classic tropes that we associate with alien abductions so there was definitely some of that like being taken away from my family never seeing home again that was a fear but I am really into as a person I would say if I were to extrapolate this to adulthood I am really into independence and like upward mobility or however you want to put it like the ability to do things and freedom I guess to be American about it okay but the aliens they would take that away right you 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 would be in a prison or you would be on on board with them and you have no they're so superior to you you can't do anything about it do you ever think about this when you catch insects (laughs) yeah i think about the weirdness or i used to think about it more in an analogy of fishing okay i used to think about how fishing is almost and i think this is a comedy but even like fishing is exactly like an alien abduction something comes out of your sky and grabs you and you're taken above where you don't know anything and you really don't belong and things are done to you and then you're returned yeah and no one believes you and nobody believes you (laughs) uh that was the way that i kind of looked at it was it was a lot like fishing but yeah insect collecting as well except in a lot of cases you die in that (laughs) sure yeah Yeah. it's more lethal put into a cyanide jar so are there any stories of alien encounters, alien abductions that really freak you out? Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess like disclaimer up front sort of is I don't believe in this. Like I don't actually you don't think, believe in this. I don't actually think people are abducted by aliens or that I was ever really at risk of this. Okay. I know that now as a kid, I didn't know that. I really thought that this was a possibility, I would say. Um, you're convinced it's not a possibility I, because I, I saw a CNN story earlier this week <laughs> about, about unidentified flying objects. Right. I guess I'll say this: that we're getting really controversial in this Cromptober. I do not disbelieve necessarily in UFOs because there could be weird things in the sky that we don't know about, and they could be planes that we haven't been disclosed to yet. Uh, they could be weird extraterrestrial objects that we just happen to be seeing. Or there could be alien spacecraft. I don't know. But I find alien abduction, and maybe this is just me trying to like assuage my childhood fears. Sure. I don't necessarily believe in it. Uh, one of the things that I sent you guys that we'll post in the show notes is about, I think it was titled The Comforting Myth of Alien Abduction. Okay. About how there does seem to be, like I don't want to say necessarily a shared delusion, but in a way, this like communal delusion that people hold together where they're taken up and the same things happen. Like there's a sequence mm-hmm. and people put it all together. So do you guys think that there is like an ancestral sort of fear of this? Like when you brought this up, I couldn't help but think about the, the fae and the fairies, right? Like okay. we talked about Hellboy pretty recently and I don't remember if that was actually on the show or if we were just sit- <laughs> sitting around talking about Hellboy. Um, but there's, you know, a famous Hellboy story where some fairies kidnap this baby, right, and replace the baby with the changeling. Right. And Hellboy has to do all of these things to get the baby back. Um, and so it it seems to me that UFO abductions are not narratively that different than fae abductions. So I just wanted to see what you guys thought about, like, the the similarities or, or maybe the differences the the uh, parallels between 
UFA abductions and alien abductions and if there's anything to that or if sure. it's, they're totally, completely just um, unrelated. Yeah, I think they're, it makes it makes perfect sense to me that that's a, a compliment uh, aliens that is that we see now to what like historically we would think of. I, I totally totally get that. Yeah, I think it is sort of a ancient fear of being taken to a supernatural place before you're ready or of being contacted by the other side in some way like being pulled into hell or heaven before you're supposed to be mm-hmm. or being abducted by fairies and I think that if you look at when this really started to become a huge phenomenon, it's during the height of Cold War paranoia, where there's oh. things in the sky, and the one thing I also sent you was about the Betty and Barney Hill case, and their their discourse around being abducted is what's really become the popular vernacular for alien abduction. And so I do think that it's, it is its own mythology now. It's a lot like the fairy thing, or those other legends that we have in our histories where people are taken by something from the other side. Mm-hmm. I think you're really onto something there, yeah. And our our fairies are aliens, I guess. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe they were aliens the whole time. Maybe. I think that that's an X-Files episode. <laughs> Is it really? No. <laughs> it could be. It could be. That was, so that was some of the other like I would watch the X Files and that never necessarily freaked me out as much as remembering this movie and just like thinking about it and having my own rules to prohibit being abducted. I don't know if you you guys had rules to help ward off weird things that you were afraid of as kids, but Infinity would hard be hard to keep away, I guess. I know what you mean though. Yeah, like, like there are rituals like before before bed sure. that you do, right? Yeah. Yeah. One of mine was I could only show my head above the covers. Okay. Like, if the rest of my body, despite however hot it was, and I had a heated waterbed growing up. Oh, wow. Uh, I had to be all under the covers or the aliens would see me. Okay. I had really distinct rules about flashlight usage outside. Okay. About oh, where, shine it in the yeah, sky. About where the light could be pointed in particular. And okay. my brother would constantly tease me, my younger brother, and he would shine the light in the sky. I was like, look, I'm not going to be responsible for when they get you. That's, right? that's glorious <laughs> yeah. because that that's the complete big brother, little brother reversal. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I gave it to him in a different way, but I do remember that. He would, like, blink it up in the sky. We had this big mag light to go out and feed the animals with. It's funny that, that we're talking about this within that uh, Shirley Jackson book, We've Always Lived in the Castle. The, the central character, Maricat, has her own magics like she's almost a sympathetic magician the way she's like walking and working her way around the grounds and what she does on a daily schedule over the week for this like like her and her older sister and her uncle are like cloistered into this 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 old like family estate and nobody talks to them and uh mary catherine or maricat she's like 18 and she's She's very juvenile in a lot of ways, but she's also very grown up in other ways. Okay. But in one of the ways that she's juvenile, it's exactly this. Like she practices her magics as a way to like protect her from the outsiders, like the people that are down the street, like the people that are within her community. Right. And she does things like, you know, nails a page from a book up on a tree or buries, you know, uh, a couple pieces of silver or like it's like a tick yeah she she does like all kinds of things and it's in her mind it makes total sense to protect her but it's funny how like when you read that you're like this is one of the very irrational scary like almost horror moments like this is one of those horror elements in this book that is otherwise walking in a line of not being horror and it just gets at like we do these things like right. this is this is how kids act and this is absolutely <laughs> there are the step on the crack break your mother's back uh mantras that we can tell ourselves it's cool yeah. that uh i, I don't know it, the the psychology behind that i would say like it's a childlike disposition towards imposing your will upon a world that you can't right like as a kid you're in the least control ever and you're kind of aware of it and maybe you become more aware of it as you grow older like yeah. how little control you actually have and you can give up 
wanting to impose your will over it. Right. But I think at that point, you really think, I can, my parents make rules, and we follow the rules, and things happen the way they're supposed to. I will mm-hmm. impose rules, and the scary things that I'm afraid of yeah. will follow them. And I think structure and order yeah. is very important. Uh, I like that predictability is a feeling of safety. Yeah, I would definitely say there's something to that. So... I'm trying to think of if I had other rules about the aliens. I do know that I think maybe I've even talked about it on the show. There was a time where I thought it was the only time that I ever actually thought it was happening that aliens had come to our house when I was a kid. I was maybe like eight or nine. And we got home and my family, we, my brother and I went inside and my dad said he was going to take care of things outside. And he was outside feeding the animals and putting some things away and then he came inside and he yelled for my mom and she was like what you know what is it what do you need and he yelled that they're back and he needed help (laughs) so that's all i heard and they go outside and he i think he i can't remember if he grabbed a gun or not so we're from rural indiana and there were guns readily available at all points in the house just about and they were outside for a long, long time. Like, in my memory, it feels like a half hour. But I'm sure in real time, it was maybe like five to ten minutes. And my brother and I were inside, and I was absolutely convinced that they were outside dealing with aliens. And I was trying to explain to Anthony, my brother, what I thought was happening. And he's five or six. Like, he thinks I'm nuts. And he he, he is used to me being the predictable and responsible one and I'm losing my mind and like shaking I think I had a nervous breakdown legitimately I started vomiting Uh, I was so convinced that this was happening and then he really freaked out and was like what is what are you doing and I freaked him all the way out I was puking my mom and dad came in and they have to deal with me going through this fit and it just turned out that these raccoons that my dad had been fighting for like a month had returned and were eating the animal feed out of where we stored it. Uh, but I was absolutely convinced that the grays were outside and they were going to get one or all of us. <laughs> yeah. That's far out, dude. Yeah. That, that, that would be traumatizing. It was traumatizing. S- severe fear. <laughs> that is through and through. Well, and I think it was after that that it started to fade away, I think. Like, not long after that did I start to lose my grip on this fear and really kind of give it up. I still think aliens are freaky, but, like, I can watch Alien and Aliens and not be traumatized. I did tell Josh on the way over here, there are alien abduction movies out there that I just don't feel like I could really watch without unlocking a Pandora's box of childhood yeah. fear. <laughs> Trauma. Yeah. So, Close Encounters of the Third Kind? I have seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind, but it feels very different to me. That The Spielbergian aspects of that, mm-hmm. where there's like a through line and it makes sense kind of what the aliens are up okay. to. yeah. And people are coming back at one point. I think it's the ones, the one we talked about on the way over was Dark Skies. Dark Skies, yeah. Uh, there's Fire in the Sky and a few others of that ilk where abductions are just happening and people disappear and they're never seen again or there's like horrible experimentation i think those would be the ones that that really got to me mm-hmm. yeah but when i was a kid i didn't i i was also really into the paranormal and stuff right like the unexplained okay. which we've talked a lot about on the show mm-hmm. in past Cromptobers. and part of reading through that kind of stuff was reading about ufo phenomena because there's a lot of people who are really interested in it and I remember like trying to read through Project Blue Book stuff and mm-hmm. uh, this one book that I had that I've talked about on the show, uh, Mysteries of the Unexplained. It had a whole section on aliens. And I remember reading about this Barney and Betty Hill case. Did you guys read through the article? Mm-hmm. I yeah, said, I was familiar with yeah. that too. Yeah. So like, what do you think of that story? What is it? What is it that's become so part of our culture with that? And then like, what do you think happened to those people? I don't know what happened. I I think that that as like that is a trope. The whole like missing time, right? And uh, I I don't know. It's it's genuinely scary, and it I think taps into the the feeling of you don't have control over yourself, and that seems to be a through line with what we're talking about, right? Here, yeah. Uh, 
I don't know. I don't know what happened to him. <clears throat> I absolutely see why that in a post fifties world to today is a persistent uh, issue that people feel. Okay. Well, it's so. I don't know if believable is the right word, but relatable maybe. Mm-hmm. Like you, it's easy to, um, it's easy to empathize with that story because you can imagine the horror that you would feel if you were in their shoes. Right. Right. And and so I think there's something about the, I don't know the verisimilitude of their story that makes it I don't know it gives it hooks almost it is it's a good story right yeah yeah like that's why it hooks into people uh I guess just to summarize it it's two people in the early 1960s is that right yeah I think so in the early 1960s that they're an interracial couple in New Hampshire they went on vacation and on their way back from vacation a object in the sky starts following them and then according to post-hypnosis recall they were abducted by aliens like they they get followed by this thing they wake up in their car and they've lost two hours and their clothes are burned and there's weird scars on them and they start having nightmares about what happened during this missing time and then they had hypnotic treatment and they recalled being abducted by aliens Mm mm-hmm uh, it's not the first case of alien abduction in American history or even global history, I guess, but it is the first one that kind of became sensationalized and started off the UFO abduction craze. You said that it was around that time that uh, of the story that you told us about your, your parents fighting off the raccoons, right. but, <laughs> but in your mind there were aliens on, on the farm. Right. And you said that it was around that time that you kind of the the fear lost its hold on you yeah have you ever you ever think about it now like i know superficially like we talked about the the alien abduction movies that mm-hmm. kind of bother you but how how does this manifest now if at all i would say that sometimes i can like think back into that mindset um, it's not necessarily like I start shaking with fear and puking about being abducted by aliens. Sure. I start thinking about the possibility, which I think is also sort of what we talked about with Luke is like you can traipse back into that feeling, right? Like you almost like memory trip back into that emotional state right? where yours is a much more timeless fear of infinity and not being a part of it. <laughs> timeless. But, yeah. <laughs> but I can... I can feel myself sometimes as that kid feeling that fear very viscerally. And I think sometimes if I get scared by something, like if I'm watching something scary, I start thinking more about that palpitation I had back then and maybe feeling it again. So maybe it's more about fear and being overtaken by it and that loss of control uh, as an adult. But uh, I guess I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I start sleeping with the covers all the way up to my neck and, withholding flashlights from the sky again yeah well it's it's interesting because you don't seem like a very controlling person right like <laughs> you don't you you seem pretty uh able to go with the flow i do like to go with the flow i think that part of that is i hate having others wills imposed upon me okay so therefore i do not wish to impose my will upon others i see uh like i would never want to impose that pain that i hate on somebody else which is probably not great in group settings or like team situations (laughs) or in a leadership situation where you're supposed to be telling people what to do uh i guess that's a fear of mine if we're getting that deep but yeah i i don't feel like a controlling person but i do try to control a lot about myself Ah. Uh, a lot of the ways that I interact with the world or the way the world may perceive me uh, if I were to take that turn like to me not pointing the light at the sky that means I don't want to be seen by the aliens and it's trying to control that outward perception of me Mm -hmm. Uh, so I still do that in some ways I try to make sure that I present the right image 
so it's more about me and less about other people i guess yeah does that make sense yeah it does getting too deep i don't crumped over i mean it's all (laughs) it's all up to you like we can plumb as far as we want the the depths of fear are bottomless right that's true and the it's the thing that's interesting to me in discussing these things with you guys is that these three fears that we're going to share um are fairly disconnected from one another yet they evoke the same feeling in all of us Uh or 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 did at some point in our lives and that's fascinating I, i agree it must be why the witch is utilizing it as a tactic. It must be. <laughs> because these days, the things I was afraid of when I was a kid are not the things that I'm afraid of now. Right. You know? Right. I put childish things away because now I'm a man. Oh, I don't put childish <laughs> things away ever. No. But the things I'm afraid of are way different now than they were back yeah. then. We could have done one about student loan debt. Sure. Or <laughs> <laughs> unemployment. <laughs> yeah. Failure. What do you think, Luke? What does my childhood fear mean for me as an adult? I, I'm not going to psychoanalyze that. You don't want to psychoanalyze me? No. Not live on a podcast? Did I psychoanalyze you? No, I was psychoanalyzing myself. Okay. Luke was being quiet. I want to know what he thought. What do you think of aliens, Luke? Do you believe in extraterrestrial life? Yeah, sure. Do you think I, it's ever been here? Uh, Maybe. I mean, maybe we're that, right? Like, I, I, I love the idea of aliens, and I love the idea of... Of uh, the like, just playing the probability game. I love that kind of uh, science fictional, but real world argument. I mean, as a scientist, I'm totally open to the existence of right. of there being aliens. Are there grays that are gonna like? <laughs> do anal probe stuff and uh like make baby make hybrids us, make us miss time and give us unique barcodes under our skin for their nefarious plans bridges further away <laughs> from likelihood but i love that kind of stuff man right so i, I was a diehard x-files fan in my in my high school days yeah. and totally was into uh the the x-files mythos and i love the the idea of uh faints within faints and and machinations within machinations and these like it's almost like global politics it's international or like it's it's intergalactic politics like i i love that those kinds of big picture scare scare factors uh i think that's just interesting it's about trust right like you if the government isn't being honest about aliens then you can't trust the government and if the aliens are putting barcodes under your skin then you can't trust the aliens so so all of this to me is like uh, about trust right. and who can you trust and who can you believe and that sort of thing yeah and seizing your own destiny in some ways cuz like i think the conflation of aliens and the government is also really fascinating where the the government's in cahoots with them and they know all about all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Or like we're getting technology from them or something. Yeah, uh, right. the, the Independence Day type scenario. Uh-huh. Uh, because to me, I think there's something to be said for, like think of yourself as a citizen of a nation. You get to vote ostensibly in <laughs> wherever you live. And you're supposed to have a guiding hand in that destiny, but... Do you really like, aren't these machinations so big and so beyond your actual sphere of influence that, that your life, all these things, these big things are out of your control, like, like climate change or, or nuclear disarmament, all these things that can kill you very quickly and very soon or in the very near future. Well, uh, you really have no direct control over. It's interesting you say that because this, this week is uh, when the IPCC is, is scheduled to release their new report on the state of the, the Earth's climate. Right. And there's a climate symposium happening and a 16-year-old right. girl took the stage at this, at this um, panel and in five minutes completely stole the global spotlight for just a moment and she 
arguably, you know, is an individual, right. <laughs> um, yet has made it such that she's able to exert strong influence right. over this, this issue. Um, so I think it's, it's variable in a way. I think that most people don't want to or maybe can't seize the reins in the same way that she has. And maybe things just unfolded for her in such a way that allowed her to do that. And I understand. Greta Thunberg, I think is her name. Greta, yeah. I understand what you're saying with that, but I also would say, like, no big oil company stood up after her speech and was like, you're right. We will cease production of fossil fuels. Right. Like, you're right. She has spoken and she has captured our attention, but even with her powerful speaking ability, did it demonstrably change? That sounds really Well, it nihilistic. just happened in two days right. ago, right? Right. So, but uh, who knows how, I mean, there's a reason that great speeches become great speeches, right? Right. right. Like, did Abraham Lincoln think that the uh, Emancipation Proclamation was going to be as big a deal I think he knew about that one. You think he knew about that one? Maybe not the Gettysburg Address. Maybe not the Gettysburg. Okay. Yeah. I, so yeah, I, I I don't know. I definitely pick this up. Is, on, I'm going somewhere. No, no. I, with this, but I pick up what you're saying for sure. Like we have the power to change things. You're right, and I don't mean to sound so nihilistic, but I do think that is a palpable feeling that a lot of people have. Is it doesn't really matter what I do. Sure. Because I'm not in control. Do you? What do you think? I think that's right. I mean, I I agree. I also think people are complacent, and I think it's the the easy card, right? I think it's oftentimes easy to play the easy card. Yeah. Like, that's the... That's the easy thing to do. There's something there. (laughs) Uh, Which type of alien freaks you out the most? Oh, gosh. Is it humanoid aliens, or is it monstrous aliens like Sigourney Weaver had to fight off? I mean, that's a different kind of fear to me. Like, Sigourney Weaver's alien is a parasitoid that's going to kill me and burst out of my chest. Uh-huh. It's the ones that have machinations, like the Greys, I guess. That's the famous one. Uh, okay. That are plotting with the government or are doing stuff. That was the one that freaked me out as a kid. Okay. Yeah. Because they didn't necessarily want to kill me, but they wanted to do stuff to me that I couldn't do anything about. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So that's me and aliens in, in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any other alien thoughts, Luke? No, I think that's, I think that's good. I, th- I think we've covered a lot of ground here. This is very, this is, this was a, uh, a varied topic. <laughs> like we, we, I mean, we touched on a bunch of different stuff. So conspiracy theories, climate change, Greta. It, it's cool because we're we're sitting out in the yard again. And looking up at the sky, you know, we're looking up into infinitude. We're looking up into areas where there could be sentient, malevolent, gray aliens. Probably right over there. Probably, yeah, exactly. You're pointing at one. Don't point at it. (laughs) I noticed that you moved your hand when I said don't point at it. (laughs) Um, It's rude to point. Well, it's, it's just the... These conversations put these fears into context and perspective yeah there's something blinking in the sky right above me right now that's true i think it's an airplane or is it or is it so with that we only have one more fear left to confront whose is it is it luke's i think it's luke's dogs dogs yeah (laughs) dogs fear it's a hot dog shortage dogs fear used to be people coming over right (laughs) now we're going to confront yours right uh i suppose we will Yeah. yeah It's the um, ultimate fear. Uh, it is the the fear of uh, dark places where you cannot know um, what lies there. It'd be a Cromptober classic. We'll see. It could be me breaking down and crying uh, we <laughs> for, won't push for forty five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm up next. We'll talk about the darkness and the fear of the unknown. But if people want to share with us their greatest fears, what goes bump in the night for them? How can they share that with us, Josh? Um, they could email us. We're thecromcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash thecromcast. 
We're also on Twitter at the Chromecast and Instagram at the Chromecast. And you can find us on the web. All of our materials since the year 2013 are on thechromecast.blogspot.com. Talking about infinity. Yeah. That's how long we've been on. Yeah, six big years. <laughs> Let us know what scares you this Halloween season, this Chromtober season. And uh, let us know what spooky things you're reading or listening to or watching. Yeah, we hope that you're enjoying some cool Halloween media and a glass of cider. And we'll see you a little bit further down the road. Into the darkness. <laughs>